0: You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. There is a art to successively breaking down an idea or to have people decompose an idea into its constituent parts to be able to understand it better um, and to be able to use it better. And it's really, really lends itself well with especially a lot of the content in Start Finishing because so much of what people get really stuck by and they end up on a thrash crash with is they have an idea and they can't break it down, and, but it, the weight of it sits on them and then the resentment and the frustration of not doing anything with the idea sits on them precisely because they go their brains go from idea to I'm doing a thing. <laughs> Right. Ah. Um, Without all the steps in between that actually make doing the thing possible and realistic and fun and aligned and all those Mm -hmm. different things. And so I hear you on that, Corey, but like the book helps people do the very thing that not doing keeps them in a place of stuck. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Productive Flourishing Podcast. We are doing something... Pretty new and pretty different, at least for us as a team. Now, I'm going to preface this to say that going forward, be on the lookout for more team podcasts where we as Team PF start talking about some of the projects that we're working on, what's coming up, to really give you some insight of both what we're doing, but also to remind you that like all the things that we talk about in practice, we fall into some of the same holes, (laughs) we need to use some of the same practices, and we are a creative team that's building a lot of things. And so we hope to share what's going on and hope that it helps you get some insight on your own projects. And when you see one of the things we fall into that you sort of feel like, okay, it's not just me. Um, So joining me today, I have Corey Huff, Steven Ahrensberg. Why did I call you Steven? That's weird. Steve Ahrensberg and Megan Haggerty. I never call him Steve or Steven. I'm all messed up. Um, Corey is the one that actually initiated this conversation. So, Corey, um, what are we talking about, and why does it matter? Thank you very much, Charlie. I'm excited.
1: This is this will be a fun conversation. So, Start Finishing Field Guide is the workbook version of Charlie's best selling book, Start Finishing. We're going to take you behind the scenes today on how the field guide came into being, some lessons that the team learned in the creation of it, and why now is a great time to bring this particular workbook into existence. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk with the listener uh, and just say this is why you might be interested in this episode and in the Start Finishing Field Guide. If you're a longtime PF listener, you probably you're probably somebody who's interested in writing books, and creating new things, and understanding the logistics of how new things are created. Um, if you're a writer or a creator, we're going to share some of the things we learned about creating the workbook, and we we are collectively, the PF team is a very experienced team of creatives. And between us, we've published uh, a bunch of books, uh, done a bunch of really cool stuff. And even in the creation of this workbook, there were still some challenges that we ran into. So we'll talk about some of that. And then if you are a team leader, whether you're a founder or an executive, uh, we'll share some insights on what we learned about working across teams to make something like the workbook happen. So that's what we're here for today.
0: Cool. Cool. All righty. Well, I'm going to sort of tag in and we're, you know, we're doing the start finishing field guide and it's good to go back to the beginning of why this dang thing started in the first place. And there's the start of the field guide, but I can talk to the start of start finishing. Cause that's an important piece of this. So when I wrote start finishing, um, you know, every book that I write at a certain point, it ends up saying, standing up and saying like, here's what type of book I am. And that's a really fun part of the process because you don't always know that going into what type of book it's going to be. Now, some of you who aren't writers don't might that might not resonate, but it's not like I knew it was a nonfiction book about productivity, but there are different ways you can do that. And so start finishing, the thing that actually popped up for me is it ended up being more like a menu book of uh, you're flipping through, you're trying to build something, you're trying to create something. And here are the different things. And so that infused a lot of how I ended up writing, start finishing. The design, and the layout of Start Finishing. And we had a great a collaborative process with Start Fin or with Sounds True to make that happen. And something that was embedded in the books, because it's embedded in my writing and voice, it's a lot of lists and questions and a lot of things that I knew from the jump would turn into great worksheets that would turn into great aids on that front. So I knew it as I was creating it. But y'all, when you write a book, or you do any major creative work, you're never really done. You just get to a point to where you realize you have to like finish this thing. You have to be done with this leg of the project, right? And so I was like, no, we're not going to create a gazillion worksheets to go with this book. You got to finish the book. Um, so Start Finishing came out well-received. Thanks for all of you who supported that, read it, shared it with your friends, mom and him, right? Um, but there's still this lingering open door, Right. Of like, what about all these worksheets and things like that? And I'm actually going to turn it over to Steve from here because Steve has been—he was the champion for start finishing or for the field guide when we were doing everything else. He's like, "Hey, what about the workbook though? What about the field guide? We got it there." So, Steve, tell us a little bit more about that. Thanks, Charlie. So, uh,
2: yeah, the I think we recognized early on what Charlie was talking about. Where there were just so many opportunities for uh, developing aids that were going to help someone consume, start finishing. Because there's a lot of content there, and there's a lot of concepts that uh, that create uh, a measure of thrash for folks as they're kind of going through it. It's like it's one of those books that will creatively frustrate you. Uh, it's the you know, throw it against the wall, kind of. No, I don't. I don't want to do that thing. Um, and so there were opportunities, I think, within within uh, starting to build some of the worksheets and those things that would allow folks a, an opportunity to kind of dig into a particular thing that they were finding more frustrating or challenging. Um, and so we started to produce a number of of these worksheets over time in support of the launch of Start Finishing which eventually led into uh, a companion course that we did that sort of supported some of those things, which eventually led to this idea of, well, heck, we've got probably 70% of a workbook here, at least we thought at the time. Next part of the process. Um, And we were like, okay, this this thing... um, might make really good sense as a companion to the start finishing book um so that's that was where we kind of originally conceived that there's more in terms of how we decided to go ahead with it and all that sort of stuff but uh that that's the original the original idea that germinated um, out of start finishing itself
0: Yeah, when I'm working with authors and thought leaders around their books, especially those who are nonfiction, right, and writing this type of work, I'm always like, well, you write a book, but be open to the other bits of collateral that you're going to need around that book to support it, right? Because that's actually, if you're writing a book just to write a book. Um, for some of us, you're missing the big opportunity of how that work extends into other things. Steve mentioned we have a companion course, you know, we've used a lot of the worksheets. We've used a lot of things from start finishing. So start finishing was the start of the conversation or the midway of a conversation for a lot of PF readers and listeners. Um, but it was the, the work that allowed us to start planting other things around that. Um, and so Steve, before we bring Megan on, on this one, um, we have to talk about the tar pit, right? That that the field guide kept falling in, right? Um, and um, why you had to champion it. So tell us a little bit more about that side of things.
2: Well, I think it was. I think it was mostly that it was. We, we want we want to do it, and we also have all these other things that we want to be doing in uh, in the productive, flourishing business as well. And so it, it was one of those, you know, it's, it seems important, but it, it's not urgent. And so it kind of got regulated uh, consistently to that, to that space until, and this, this is something that's true of us uh, at PF is our projects need a champion. Uh, we call them project owners because that's what they do, but they're the champion of a particular project. And so it, it takes that person to say here's why we want to do it here's here's what we want to do and then then we figure out as a team first whether or not that's a a, the thing we want to do there's there's process there but uh it it takes a champion really to say yeah we're doing this thing i I here's the reasons why i think it's really important for us to do a lot of that was was coming out of others who had experienced start finishing, Megan included, who were vocal advocates for we need, we need this companion, we need this workbook, we need something like this that's going to help someone be able to take the all the the meaty goodness that is in Start Finishing and actually apply it in a way that they can get something you know out of it and, and work a project through it step by step.
1: So, I'm really curious. I want to jump in here, Stephen, ask ask about these questions from people who are reading Start Finishing. And, Charlie, obviously, you've gotten this feedback too. What was it that was stopping people? They say, okay, I read Start Finishing, and I don't know. What is it that they did, didn't know how to do to translate the, uh, you know, the information in Start Finishing into a final finish project? Like, wh- where was the gap?
0: Yeah, I would say on this front, it's not that they didn't know what to do. It's where do they do it? Where do they
1: do it? Okay. Where
0: do they do it? Because if you're reading Start Finishing and you jump to a page, Megan will probably be able to give me a page that has a good question on it because she knows the book at this point probably as well as I do. You're like writing in the margins for one project or one thing, and then you have another project like, ah, crap. Like, do I copy this? Do I write the questions down? And so because it ended up being that sort of return to use it for a project, use it for a given things or read it in multiple slices. And this is what we heard time and time for people. So they read it when it came out and it hit them a certain way and then they gave it another chance along the ways, And there's something else that popped out, right. That had them learn a new way. And so um, given how we interact with books there's only so many times you could rewrite in a margin. There's only so many times you could redo that before you're like, this is come on, man. Like, and so the field guide in a lot of ways lets lets people do the work in that book and have start finishing as a thing they read through, right? And so it really does help build those sort of project plans, especially once you start going into the middle chapter of the or the middle section of the book that really is all about scoping projects down and things like that. That's really hard to do in a book and especially if you're one of those people and some people are like this where they don't want to write especially in a pretty book like it somehow mars the book um but where does the work go and so that's largely why there was a need for for the field guide multiple projects multiple versions of oneself but where do you do the work Mm -hmm. um and we just decided to make it easy for folks okay yeah that makes sense i feel like we've talked about
1: negging a bunch And maybe we should have Megan introduce herself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, real quick. What I will say is to follow up on Steve's point about a project champion in our team, we know it has to be a champion other than Charlie, (laughs) right? that's important because i champion a lot of ideas and a lot of them we just don't have the capacity to do so one of our questions when we start asking is a project worth doing is is there a champion other than charlie that wants to do this project and push it forward um, because if it's just me it's going to stay in the aisle of you know misfit toys for far too long um, and so this one actually ended up with a bit of two champions so steve is the starter champion and then miss megan Haggerty. hi megan Hi. (laughs) And so tell us, as best you can recall, how you got roped into the field guide.
3: Um, So I was fortunate to be part of the street team that got a chance to read an advanced copy of the book before it came out. So I actually have a lot of writing and underlining in my copy of the book, but it's also not the pretty version. It's the (laughs) um, So probably if it was the hard copy, I would have had a hard time like you talked about. Um, And I remember... Reading it from the get go, I kept thinking about writing different ways of coming at it or how I would break it down. And to your point, there's really pretty much every single page in the book has some wonderful prompt or question to help you really kind of think through uh, the different steps. And so I was part of the street time, helped kind of uh, promote it. And then I kept, <laughs> I think I just kept on you, Charlie, in terms of. Can we can and I started creating worksheets on my own (laughs) um, uh, for my own coaching clients. So eventually it got to a point where it was like, hey, uh, we need someone to do this. And uh, I was very fortunate to uh, be the one to to get to get a crack at it.
0: Yeah. And th- thanks so much for that, Megan. And honestly, that's another one of the reasons why we decided to do the book. Cause we're like, if we don't do this, it's going to continue to get legs and someone else is going to create the workbook because we're not doing it. And so for all of you listening who send emails about things you want from us and gives us ideas, we listen a lot. And we also know at a certain point when we get enough requests, it's either, okay, we're going to make the thing. <laughs> or our audience is going to go out and make the thing. Um, and then we're going to be in some fun conversations that, you know, might be there. So that was another one of those kind of like moments for me, Megan, where I was like, you know what, Megan's already going to be start making this if we don't. Um, and with, so, with permission. With permission. <laughs> she wasn't stealing it, y'all. She was not stealing it. But, you know, by the time you see two or three w- w- worksheets where she's like, can I use this? And like, all right, well, we're already building thing, so let's build it together, and so that's how we ended up like right, really creating start finishing field guy it was the design and the product itself led to that the community in many different ways were pulling it out of us um, and um you know it's one of those things where it lends itself super well to a workbook um, but it turns out that just because you can do something does not mean you should do something. <laughs> Um, and so it went through enough vetting and for context, remember start finishing came out September, 2019 and things were going well with the book until about March of two of 2020. And if you remember March of 2020, that's when COVID really started kicking out. And it was not the time to have a traditional productivity book out. Um, people were focused on other things like toilet paper. Um, and so in the midst of, That sort of cycle, that was another reason the field guide kept falling behind because, one, books were hurting at the time. Two, we were standing up the academy. We were starting to stand up the app. Um, But Steve kept championing it for good reasons, and I'm glad he did. Another catalytic moment was we found out from our publishing partner, Sounds True, that the paperback was going to be coming out at roughly the time we were going to publish the workbook. And that's another good time to have multiple versions of a book out Um, So a lot of things going into it, but it was not an easy choice because it turns out that creating workbooks without a traditional publisher is expensive. (laughs) Um, Straight up, y'all. So Steve, I'll let you sort of go into the back of the napkin and how we we figured out how we were going to do this, but also realizing how we're going to have to do it without me being a primary contributor to it.
2: Yeah, so the obviously the the beginnings of the process were deciding we had this idea and we kind of had a sense of what we wanted, but we needed to decide whether or not, one, this was going to be something that was going to have legs as a project. Um, so a, a lot of it was us doing some, what we call back of the napkin estimates about, okay, what's the approximate cost cost both in terms of outsourcing costs, printing costs, um, team cost in terms of of building the thing in the first place, um, as well as all the other things that might go into that particular project. Also considering, okay, if we decide to do this thing, what, What's the displacement that's going to happen and what other projects are we deciding not to do in the same time frame to make sure uh, that we've got enough capacity to actually execute on this thing? Um, so that was all of the process that we went through to try and determine, okay, w- what's the approximate number we think we can sell based on what the numbers that start finishing is done? What's the percentage that we chose? Um, that we thought we could reasonably hit with a workbook that we figured a certain number of people who were start finishing readers and purchasers would be interested in a workbook. And then sort of backing that up against, okay, what do we think the approximate costs are for us to build something like this? Um, and, you know, once once we kind of did did the initial numbers, we said, okay, this this looks like, you know, we'll have to sell x number of copies to break even on what we, um, on what we decided uh, was going to be the cost of it.
0: I got to say, this process has definitely given me more appreciation for traditional publishers um, and the process they have to go through when deciding whether to take a book, right? Um, because they have to do some calculation on their own. Similarly, they've got a whole staff they need to pay, and they've got a clear, you know at least a hundred thousand dollars for it to make sense for a lot of for a lot of book publishers to actually do a book ours was not that high um but we had i at least walked away with a lot more appreciation about that piece yep it's nice to have a team that knows all of that all of those pieces
2: uh at, at the beginning and and uh pr- probably knows some of the you know, some of the pitfalls that you can run into when, when you're doing something like this. Although workbooks themselves are a, a very different animal than a traditionally published
1: book, we we found out. Um, so that's... Uh, can you say more about that, Steve? What's the difference? Oh, sure. Between, yeah, like what's the difference between Start Finishing and the Start Finishing Field Guide?
2: Um, not that there wasn't uh, a lot of design in Start Finishing. Like Charlie said, Start Finishing itself is a very pretty book. Uh, The design is really lovely and and it's functional at the same time, but it's really a uh, well-designed book. And to design things in a workbook form that cover things like uh, exercises, worksheets, references to worksheets that are not in the book will be available as resources because... Th- you have limits in terms of the, the trend size that you're working with for, uh, for a workbook, um, keeping the thing to a reasonable number of pages, even though there's so much content that, uh, uh we wanted to include we and, and couldn't, um, and, and just the, the intensity of the design, I think was probably the thing that was most surprising to me, um, you know, we've, we've got a great designer that we worked with, uh, uh, Joy of Stauber Brand Studio. Um, she's amazing and has done a tremendous job of converting kind of these raw ideas and concepts into, uh, you know, a really lovely and functional book, but wow, what, what a process in terms of, of taking, taking those ideas, uh, and then making them into something that is really going to serve the readership. It was, wow, uh, much more involved than, than I knew it was going to be challenging. It was even more challenging than that uh, for sure. Interesting.
3: Yeah. I will, I will add that. I think our first round that went to joy, (laughs) the designer was almost like a, if we had continued at that pace, I think the book would have been like, you know, 300 pages <laughs> at that point. Um, so it was really, cause the start finishing itself has such this, this rich concept, um, all these content around, and Charlie gives stories and metaphors and statistics and, and great quotes that really bring it to life. So to be able to move that into exercises, you have to distill so much down into the kind of the core concepts and make sure that there is something, an exercise, a question, something for the reader to do to kind of really um, concrete that information in their brain. And to get that into a reasonable amount of pages, I think was, was the, the the hardest part especially towards the the beginning when we wanted everything from the book to come into the field guide.
0: Yeah, one thing that I saw is I started seeing a lot of the um chapters come through and it, well it was it was affirming where it's like wow this really shows the breadth of content and the range within this book. Like I, obviously i would written it, so I knew that, but when you start seeing like a bunch of spreadsheets and when you are spreadsheets, a bunch of worksheets, it changes that. But also I was, um, you know, I was scanning some other books at the time and like, it would be one chapter, sort of one worksheet was basically what, what their books ended up being. And I'm like, wow, one of these chapters has like seven worksheets. And so if we were to use that sort of same thing, just the density of ideas, which I knew it can be a problem with Charlie writing and talking in general, but it was just another one of those instantiations of like, wow, there's a lot of ground that was covered in this book. And now I'm super glad we have these worksheets for him. Okay, I have another
1: question here. So I am somebody who is uh, naturally not given to using worksheets. Uh, Anything that looks like a form or a a worksheet or anything like that, my brain just kind of shuts down when looking at it. And I think that's probably because I have ADHD. A lot of people like me will tell me that any kind of form, even like an online form, just like shuts their brain down and just they just don't know what to do with it. Um, So obviously there's a thought process that goes into, okay, there's this concept or this exercise that needs to be done. And theoretically, a worksheet makes it easier to do that exercise. Is that mm-hmm. the thought process behind that?
0: Yeah. What I'd say on this one is, and I, I completely respect sort of that neurodivergence on that side of things. What I'll see is even with people from the indie spectrum, the challenge that you end up having is those ideas don't live somewhere um, and end up not being baked into part of it. So it's kind of like you go from A to D without mm-hmm. and C. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of things, B and C matter, right. Mm -hmm. how you got there matter. Um, And so that's what I've seen. So, you know, that, that's sort of on that spectrum, but yeah, there is a art to successively um, breaking down an idea or to have people decompose an idea into its constituent parts to be able to understand it better um, and to be able to use it better. And it's, Really, really lends itself well with, especially a lot of the content in start finishing, because so much of what people get really stuck by and they end up on a thrash crash with is they have an idea and they can't break it down, and but it, the weight of it sits on them, and then the resentment and the frustration of not doing anything with the idea sits on them precisely because they go their brain to go from idea to I'm doing a thing. <laughs> Right. Uh Um, Without all the steps in between that actually make doing the thing possible and realistic and fun and aligned and all those Mm -hmm. different things. And so I hear you on that, Corey, but like the book helps people do the very thing that not doing keeps them in a place of stuck.
1: Yeah, I'm stuck and I can't do the thing, but I need the thing to help me get to the next step. Yeah. I, I, what I often find myself doing in like workbooks, uh, is looking at the page and the the workbook and the suggested exercise and like sort of setting the workbook aside and taking a blank page Mm -hmm. and essentially drawing my own version of the workbook. Like I have a, a blank moleskin that if you were to look at my moleskin, it would just be like, Uh, probably nonsensical to most people, but it's my way of translating what's on the page into something that works for me. But I do appreciate being able to see like, okay, this is how this person took this exercise or this action and translated it into steps. Now I think I understand the thought process there. So let me put that down on a book that works for me. And it's just sort of an an extra step that I've always taken. Uh, So I find, I find that really, really interesting. And I love the, thought that's gone into this is how you do this thing so really interesting
0: yeah Yeah,
3: if i could could add to that just because and i i don't know if we were successful across the book but what we did try to do was make it so it didn't feel like an overwhelming like full page worksheet where we broke it up into its distinct Mm -hmm. parts and broke it up with with other content and a lot of the exercises we gave you kind of like the choose your own adventure path where one option is taking a blank piece of paper and kind of doing some of the exercises and giving the instructions and the steps for it. And, and others are here's a, and if you'd rather a worksheet, here's a worksheet that you can, can download or use. So yeah. I think we tried to, to create that balance. Cause that's one of the, one of the wonderful things about start finishing and momentum planning. It's the, you get to choose the way that works best for you. Um, as opposed to it feeling like this, methodology that has to be followed to like the exact steps Um, because that's one of the challenges I found with some of other the other um, products out there is that it's presented in a way that if you don't if you don't succeed like if reality comes in and changes your plans it's it's still on you because you should have followed these steps and therefore you should have gotten a perfect uh, result so this we tried to give as many options as we could throughout the process.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that. And seeing like, that there's more than one way to implement a principle or an exercise. And I'm curious uh, for you, Megan. I know that you said in a conversation we were having outside of this that as you were working through this process of figuring out how to translate this, that um, like each chapter of Start Finishing essentially became a lesson for you uh, on what to do next and how to implement the principle of that chapter in your life. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that. Sure.
3: Yeah, I think uh, like Steve and I had like an ongoing joke of like, oh, going through this in this chapter. So, therefore, I'm hitting up against uh, this challenge. Um, so, a, f- a few examples um, that really stood out was so we didn't, I didn't start with chapter one because chapter one is kind of that intro. So, it's also like a summary of ideas. So, I started with chapter two. And chapter two is all about the earth sandwich and the five challenges that you hit up against right? And this was the, my first time creating something of this magnitude. I'd created worksheets and other, other pieces, but nothing you know, to, of the likes of a workbook. And so I was hitting up against a whole bunch of head trash and competing priorities and misalignment. And, um, you know, and so it was realizing as I was going through it, As I was going through it, having that realization actually helped me figure out, okay, then how do I use these five keys, which are also in chapter two, to get through the challenges that I'm having? And then, you know, we had, we added a bonus chapter to talk about where projects get stuck. And that was something that we did last. And we had a little bit of a break between finishing chapter 10 and doing the bonus chapter and... I was very much stuck because things had gotten, you know, Charlie mentioned the tar pit before where sometimes projects could, if you let them sit too long, they, it's hard to kind of dislodge them. So it was a lot of, of life imitating art.
0: And to that point, like while I don't often present, start finishing when I teach it is like the nine step method. I know it's in the cover copy and things like that. It actually does walk you through a specific project. Like if you follow chapter by chapter, like it cracks me, it cracks me up at the same time that it affirms. Like when people tell me like every chapter, like I I was working on a project and then I'd read the next chapter and it was exactly where I was. And I was like, good. And also you're not alone. Like th- this came from, a lot of years of teaching people how to do this, right? And so it's sequenced in that very way, so it's not at all surprising that right. Well, and there's actually quick nerd note here. Um there are two main sort of challenge points that happen in the book, right? One of those major challenge points is in chapter 2. Right? When you start to really commit to the project and you start to really get into that, actually t- into chapter 3, it's that's one of those things where it's like, am I really going to do this? And that one is like the external challenges looking at you (laughs) and saying like, okay, are you really going to do that? And so that's the first sort of inflection point you've got to walk through on the journey. But later in the book, chapter six, seven, Megan, let me know, right? It's the inner challenges that start coming up. All the no-win scenarios you're telling yourself, all the inner stuff really comes up. And that surprises people. Because they thought they had addressed all of that in the first round, right? But they had only addressed sort of the top line, sort of convenient ways of talking about it. After you've gone through the product, you're like, oh, the project You're like, oh, that's what's been weighing on me this whole time. Like, I got to deal with that. I got to think about that. And so, you know, as people are reading, start finishing, I hear a lot of feedback that they get stuck, really stuck in those two places. And I'm like, yeah, that's where we get stuck. The first challenge is dealing with the external constraints of the world and the story we tell about that.
3: Yeah. It's chapter seven for the no-win scenarios. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And that's Uh, the I mean that's the other thing too is I think people like, oh, I'm gonna pick up a book on planning. And you think more of the tactical like side of things of actually putting things on my calendar and scheduling it. And the hardest parts, Chapter 2 and Chapter 7, are those kind of more mindset things that you need to kind of work through internally um, in order to be able to kind of do those more tactical and practical applications.
1: I will say coming on board with Productive Flourishing, uh, like from a year ago to now, I've learned so much about the planning process and about operational uh, challenges And I think that there were, uh, my tendency before was to avoid uh, some of the operational planning work uh, because it's harder for me. It's not my zone of genius. And therefore, it is more tiring for me. And so I avoided it because I didn't like the experience of doing hard things and being tired. Right. Uh, But doing just a little bit of that. Uh, like just doing some of those exercises and some of that planning and then pulling in people to help me, uh, made a tremendous difference. So I think seeing those principles coming out in the workbook and helping people understand that if they can do just a little bit more of that stuff that maybe they are afraid of or don't like doing, uh, that it can make a tremendous difference in the performance of their organization, their business, their life, whatever.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, I want to say two things and this is a piggyback on the, there's no one right way to do this. Like some of the most frustrating things that some of the most frustrating responses I can give people in our community when they're asking like, how do I use this one thing? And I'm like, well, why might that thing work for you, right? Because they'll be fighting a certain block on a planner or something like that. I'm like, maybe you just don't use that. Maybe that just doesn't work for you and you can move on. But they're like, but no, I got to fill it in. Like, no, actually you don't, turns out, right? If it's not doing work for you, don't do the work, right? And we have to be careful because sometimes we don't do the work because planning and really at a point like decisioning it's an emotional process and we have to choose to do this over that. We live in a constrained world. You know, like I say in the book, the the challenge of being human is that we're infinite sentience in a finite body. Right. And start finishing in the, in the workbook and the principles in there makes you confront that in a way. Right. Um, you either lie about it and then pay for it on the backside. Right. Or you deal with it up front and pay for it on the front side. And what I have found in the years of teaching this and helping people do this is while it seems harder on the front side, it is actually so much easier than thrashing and rolling around and beating yourself up for multiple quarters or a few years because you just jumped into something um, and didn't build a success pack. Didn't think through like your actual reality and didn't have any place for this project to actually live on your schedule right um man that's a road of suffering for so many of us you know creative change makers
3: yeah and we i think we we often get stuck in the same places we we, we have challenges no matter what the project is so if you figure it out and you can then create the strategies around um you know it helps not just for the project specific project you're working on but it can help in all projects big or small
1: long pause as i'm thinking about all of the ways in which i can make my projects better by doing some of the harder work up front and i'm sitting here thinking about uh marketing is a infinite task discipline uh there are uh, near infin- infinity number of ways to market any given product or service and Productive flourishing is full of a bunch of creative people who like to come up with new ideas and uh, try things, right? Uh, Myself chief amongst them. And so it is really interesting to sit here and talk about the principles of planning and say, we're going to decide in advance what we're going to do. And then thinking about the reality of yesterday, I had six individual marketing tasks that did not get done. Because my team needed help uh, with making sure that some log jams were cleared for them, and they needed approval on some things. and you know our team is reconfiguring because we have some had some turnover. So the reality of what I thought my plan was gonna be uh, was not at all uh, what happened. Uh, and so now I have to replan uh, the rest of my week today because you know life happens.
0: Yeah. Well, and that goes to talk about planning when you're in a managerial or executive role is also another matter because a part of, you know, when I'm in the executive coaching bag, a part of what I tell people is like, you know, your major job is to um, provide resources, remove roadblocks, right? Sort of one phrase, provide resources, remove roadblocks, right? Well, you can't necessarily anticipate all the roadblocks that are going to come up and your team are going to do the things that they do, that they're going to need a resource that you couldn't necessarily put on deck up front, especially as you're working with how you you teach your team to create those resources and things. That's a whole other executive pathway. But yeah, that's part of the challenge of looking at like, here's my known schedule and here are my known projects okay, this is my emergent schedule. <laughs> this is my, these are my emergent projects and tasks. And understanding like which of your knowns you can let go of, which of the emergence you've got to lean into, and how at the end of the day, you can say, you know what, no way I was going to get everything done from the jump. But I got done what mattered most in the time that I had available in a way that supports my team. I got to walk away. If you don't have some of this stuff, like this is why we talk so much about momentum planning. We talk about momentum in that same way, left to your own devices of it just being on your brain or in your heart and not on paper and not externalized in a way, all too often head trash wins. What it becomes is you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes, right? You didn't plan well. This is not your forte. But when you look at things, a lot of times this is like, no, you were trying to put 14 units of stuff in a 10-unit bag, and there's six of those units you couldn't have seen in advance, right? Um, And so it can give you that piece, which is, you know, sometimes people ask me, what's my one word about start finishing? And I'll give different words. Sometimes it's hope. Sometimes it's peace. But really, that's where we're wanting the the field guide to come in, right? Is there's a lot of people who have those ideas rolling around, and there's nowhere for them to land, and there's no peace. And as soon as they start that next thing that's scary, all of those other ideas rolling around come out with their pitchforks and start poking and prodding and yelling and you can't think, right? Because there's nowhere for them to live. Once you start finding homes for some of these ideas, once you start finding homes for projects to live, you might get closer to realizing that all of those little things, with pitchforks, are actually just you battling with yourself and it's not about the project, it's about you and in this moment making the choice to go or to get the hell up and go do something else that matters. And if the workbook and start finishing help people get that and field guide, we, we use that interchangeably, just so people know. But you know, if the field guides help people get to that point, then for all of us here, like our mission's accomplished on that one. That that's what it's here to do.
3: I hope. I just want to, because you referenced, like, why do we call it a field guide versus a workbook? And Mm -hmm. so I'll, my thought on it is, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's meant to live on your desk with you for a quarter size of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking about that and like, that seems overwhelming when you think about it, you know, that it's going to take me three months to go through this book. But then I started thinking about when I was in school I didn't go and read the textbook and then go through the class, (laughs) you know? So it is that, um, that, and like you said, every chapter will mimic the stage of the project that you're in. So it's just this great resource to have along the journey. And so that's why it's the the field guide, I think, rather than just a, a workbook
0: nailed it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love that. I am myself working through a book about, Executive functioning skills for your brain, and it is it, it's not a workbook. So I had to essentially take the book and break it down into exercises that I could do over X amount of time. Uh, so this is doing that step that I had to take.
0: <laughs> so weren't you the guy that asked why we did a, why we did a workbook earlier? Yes, no, I was. No, that's exactly why. Right? <laughs> like readers have been doing that for years. And we want to make it easier for them, right? We, I mean, there's a point in which meta productivity can be useful, right? Thinking about your work, thinking about your plans, thinking about how you're doing things can be really useful. And then there's a point in which it's displacing the work you should do because it's easier to do, right? It's easier to try to come up with a perfect plan than to walk into the field of the unknown and be like, I don't know, this might not work, but I'm trying it anyways, right? Um, So, yeah, we're trying to take out the unnecessary meta work of people creating their own worksheets around this stuff or figuring out how they're going to do it so that they get to the actual work that's going to change their lives, um, you know, and and get busy building that bridge.
1: Nice. Well, I think in the... We don't have a specific release dates or when the book's going to be available But by the time this podcast comes out, but we will have, like in the show notes and stuff, we'll have uh, where you can sign up to hear about it and information about all about more, more information about the workbook itself uh, by the time the podcast episode comes out. So I'm excited to uh, hear how people respond to this uh, and what questions come up as people listen to this because I think people are going to resonate a lot with some, uh, all of the things that have come up here. So I'm, I'm, I'm super curious to hear how people react.
0: All right, team. Well, again, we wanted to pull you on to give a little bit of the behind the scenes for the field guide, what we're doing. And just to remind you that like, yes, no matter how many times you do this, you're going to come up with, you know, your own challenges because every time you do a new project, there's a new person that's done that project because you've evolved, you've changed and your world is different. So, in case you're out there bumping along, you're in the field of creative work, and you're you seem like you're struggling. Um, realize one, it's not just you; it's all of us. Two, it's a part of the, it's a part of the field. Three, you don't have to go alone. And four, it turns out resources can help you stay focused. Um, so, I'm going to give that. Let different teammates, you know, add in their their final call before we jump off of this. So, um, Steve, what would you like to share with the with our listeners before we jump? I'm just super excited for
2: the field guide to make it into the world. I think it's really going to help folks who uh, just want that extra level of support, that extra level of structure that, uh, and and I'm envisioning people sort of sitting with start finishing and the field guide together on their desks and going back and forth between the two, Uh, sort of like Megan and I did over the course of the last number of months as we're putting this together. and that—that's the beauty of of the structure—is that they they work so seamlessly together and really build on each other uh, in a way that I think is going to be really supportive for folks.
0: All righty, thanks so much, Steve. Megan,
3: yeah, we, um, you know—start finishing is all about finishing your best work, the work that matters. And for me, this this checks the box in multiple ways. It it both was for me. An amazing experience to be able to create something and see it from start to to finish um i really didn't plan that it came out that way um and then also to know like steve said that we've created a product that is going to help others um through the process um so i'm i'm just i cannot wait to have it physically in in hand
0: before i turn it over to Corey, thanks for that megan Um, I want to give as many public acknowledgments as I can about this. Were it not for Steve and Megan, the field guide would not exist. It would stay stuck in the tar pit forever. It'd be one of those good ideas that didn't make the light of day. So there are a lot of people to thank here. It's also done in the book, but I want everybody to know that that like, were it not for those two field guide would still be hanging out there. Um, So if you love it, thank them as much as if not more than you'll thank me. And if you hate it, throw tomatoes at me because it was a totally bad decision for me to do this. But if you love it, it's all them. All right, Corey, you. Thank you
1: so much, Charlie. Uh, I am very excited to see uh, the response to this. Uh, You know, a piece of art, uh, whatever the genre, whatever the style is never finished. It's just, we decide to be done with it. Uh, So I am excited to see how people respond to it and to, see if people uh, see the value of turning the principles of start finishing into action. And I hope they do.
0: All right. Thanks for that, Corey. Um, two other pits of three other bits of thanks. One is to joy. Our wonderful designer we will put her, her website in the show notes that made this thing come to life. Christina cramp who also supplied some art. Um, they gave it a different um, life as well. The team, it sounds true, um, who have been great publishing partners and gave us the green light to run and create a workbook that looks very similar, um, that, that does that, y'all, they, you don't they get a lot of traditional publishers that will partner with you in that way. And lastly, you listeners and readers who have been championing Start Finishing and all of the questions about when the workbook or you know when something else will come from Start Finishing, well, guess what? We listened. And it's here. We hope you love it. Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that'll help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.